Hey, this is Pastor Mark. You do not want to miss this week's podcast. You're going to laugh till you cry, but it's good tears. They're good tears. So, man, tune in. Listen to this podcast. It's going to inspire you, encourage you, and, and prayerfully help bring change that you desire in your life. God bless you. Thanks for listening. There's just something not right about a children's pastor already wanting to do another VBS. So wrong. Um, but it's a good idea. I like it. And uh, if you can convince Rick, I'm in. I mean, I'm in. I mean, so uh, that way your kids over winter break uh, could come and have a place and you could go shop and we'd expect you to buy them big gifts. All right. So they will too. Well, we're starting the second week of I'm Finished. I wish I would have titled this. was praying this morning thought it is finished because when Jesus was on the cross, obviously it comes from that, when he said it is finished. What he was saying was I've done everything that I was sent to earth to do. I came to set the captives free, and whoever I set free is free indeed. I didn't come into the world to condemn the world, but the world through me might be saved. So Jesus could go down all the list of the reasons that he was sent to earth, and he checked one off at a time, one after one after one, you know, bringing the Gentiles in and just saying to all the human race, past, present, future, I love you, and I will always love you, and every one of you have the same opportunity to come to heaven as any other person. A wonderful time, but it was a season. And so when Jesus was buried and resurrected, revealed that, that death could not hold him down. We all needed to know that, and uh, that means now death cannot hold us down. And so many people live simply for eternity. And that, that's a great, one of the devil's great plans is to get us to look beyond heaven coming to earth and, and get us to see, uh, just look into heaven and miss everything that God has for us here on earth. And, and to miss out on the joy and the peace and, and all the great things that God has. But Jesus then transitioned after revealing to mankind that death could not keep him in the grave. Thus, the very spirit that raised him from the dead will raise us up and we will be with him forever. Then it says that he went and he was seated at the right hand of God. The only time that we see Jesus standing again is... After while Stephen's being stoned, it was like Jesus gave Stephen a standing ovation while they were killing him for being such a faithful servant, keeping his focus and his eyes on his destiny. But it says in Hebrews that he is seated at the right hand of God, ever making intercession for you and me. And that means he's, he's still standing in the gap in a different position of authority. Now we have the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, I will leave a comforter, another with you, and he did, so that we would not be left as orphans. But now, Jesus is at the right hand of God, petitioning God on our behalf. I like that. You have the best attorney the world could ever hope for. And he's in the ear of God every day. Don't forget what I did for them. Don't forget that I died. Don't forget that I rose from the dead. Don't forget that I gave them my name, and it's above every name. Don't forget. Don't forget. It's not like God forgets, but it's just that constant thing of now... The season on earth is finished. Now Jesus is at the right hand of God. How many of you know that while Jesus was on earth, he had plenty of opportunities to be offended? I mean, you talk about, I mean, racism is in the Bible. 
how they treated Jesus and the Gentiles and the Jews and all the battles that, that were raging and, and, and they were despising each other. But Jesus never got drawn into that battle. He never got drawn into that. He continued every day to get up and he said, I only say what I hear the Father say, do what I see the Father doing. He kept his focus on God. Now, in this world in which we live, offenses are everywhere. All you have to do is watch the news, watch television. Dear Jesus, get on social media and you're done. There's always something or somebody on there that does something that kind of violates maybe what you believe, what you feel, what you think, how somebody should act, how somebody should dress. I mean, every one of us, we thought, well, I'm never offended. Let me just tell you, I wish I'd have thought of this. I probably wouldn't have done it, but I would have wanted to. And I might have on a double Red Bull day done what I'm about to tell you. But it would have been great right now if a woman clad in a bikini would walk through those back doors. Because there'd be those of you going, <gasps> and you would be totally offended. And then there would be those of you that would go sit with her. Do <laughs> you see what I'm saying? I'm using an extreme case here because sometimes we, we need something extreme, a thought, to provoke us to think, well, I'm, maybe I would be offended at that. Now, I'm not saying that would be necessarily appropriate, though then I would ask myself the question, what's inappropriate about it? I, I, I didn't say, I know some of you are offended that I asked that question. And you say, well, it's too much flesh, it causes people to stumble, da, 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 da. the list goes on. I get that. But you subject yourself to it, to it every day. It's just not in real life. So the reality is this, but what if, and boy, this would really freak me out if God did this, but what if a woman is sitting by a pool right now being drawn to Mosaic Church? No, I'm telling you. Let me tell you, I, I, a guy came in with a robe and nothing on at one point in one of my services. We just asked him to tie it up. No, be careful what you pray about and what you pray for because reality is, what if God did that? And we as a church, and one person, it only takes one person to get offended and to ruin somebody's life forever and their opinion of church forever. I, went, I got born again in a church that in the, and I don't know why we have such funky names for church, foyer. What's well, a foyer? Well, it's a foyer in Oklahoma. We just call it a lobby or an entryway at Mosaic Church, a hang place, you know. But, well, church, I got saved, and it was a foyer. I mean, it's like Target, your French clothier. Anyway, so we, uh, you walked into that little lobby. It was very small, no room for fellowship whatsoever. But it was a sign on the door, women, no pants allowed in the sanctuary. Well, what if you were seeking God, your husband had just left, your, something happened to one of your children's on drugs or in prison, and you walk into the foyer or the lobby of that church, and you see that sign. It says, you're not welcome here. And so, in essence, what we said, representing God, was offensive to that person. And without realizing it, we are easily offended, and we often offend people. Now, what I propose today is that if you are offended over anything at all, that's your responsibility. You say, but, but she walked in, but, but, 
and, and you start saying, well, this is what that person did. Stop a minute. You have the responsibility to think the thoughts that God wants you to think, not as a result of what somebody else does, but as a result of what Jesus did and what Jesus said. Is there such a thing as offensive behavior? Sure there is, but that doesn't mean you have to be offended by that behavior. Do you see what I'm saying? So the problem is that when we get offended, we lose focus. We lose power. We leak out the things of God because we're giving our attention and focus to what someone else did instead of what Jesus did on the cross 2,000 years ago. And so we have to, above all things, the Bible says, guard our hearts because that's where the issues of life reside. That's, that's the, the platform of your destiny and your dream is inside of you. And that dream, that destiny, that purpose, that desire, whatever it might be, is under attack 24-7, even when you sleep. I don't know how many of you, like myself, I have dreams sometimes that I'm just thinking, I know I did not do meth last night. <laughs> Maybe Red Bull, but no meth. And so the fact is that we, uh, we find ourselves offended, and when you're offended, it's like a cracked pot that's supposed to hold water. It doesn't mean it won't contain water, but it won't contain water very long because it will leak out because the pot is cracked. When you are offended, you are a cracked pot. doesn't mean, and you're probably a cracked pot too, but anyway... When you're offended, the, the Spirit of God that fills your life begins to leak out and give energy and attention to those who are criticizing you, judging you, discrediting you, discounting you, disparaging you. All of a sudden, because you have given your attention to what somebody else said, and it becomes more important than what God said, you will begin to give your dream away. You will leak out your dream and purpose. Now, I, I'm going to use this as an example because this is Mosaic Church. I'm Mark Crow. It's not going to change a lot. It's just not. I, I can't help myself. And you might get offended over this, but I, I drink. Uh, this is this Red Bull's only about a third gone, maybe 25%. Just so you'll know. It's kind of like an adult pacifier <laughs> for Sunday mornings. Now, you may be watching online. If you are, just go with me and forgive me anyway. But just about three weeks ago, I get a text from Pastor Lauren, our children's pastor, that even one of our servant leaders was leaving the church because I drink Red Bull on stage. <laughs> now, that is a first for me, that a Red Bull is offensive. Now, the temptation that I had was to quit drinking Red Bull. And I thought, you know, that person's never going to grow if I don't drink Red Bull. <laughs> because the next thing I know, they won't like the jeans I wear. I ought to wear slacks. And then I start wearing slacks. Oh, God help us. There will be no suits in heaven. I mean... You know, I mean, and if you like them, I want you to wear them. I really do. I mean, but don't get on to me because get offended by the way I dress or don't dress and, you know, uh, what somebody drives and what, you know, we get all offended over stuff. Well, why, why do they have that? You know, I, I, I'm just getting courageous enough to 
believe that someday I'll be driving a Red Bull driving down the street in a Bentley. That'll really do it right there. I'm done. I think 80% of them would be offended. <laughs> Why? Why do we care? Why do we care? Offenses are killing us. What someone says about us, what some thinks about us. And I just, you know, I'm not doing this in rebellion, but here's the deal. I don't have an approval addiction. I, 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 I'm loving life right now. I like being older. I have all kinds of cares that are broken in my life because I just don't care. Now, that doesn't mean I don't love. It just means that my life is no longer controlled by the opinions of society and others. That's all it means. doesn't mean I don't love you. doesn't mean I don't respect you. But what it means is this. I'm going to answer for Jesus myself. When I stand before God, I'm not going to be able to say, well, if you'd have only heard what they said about me, Jesus, to which he would respond, if you'd have only seen how they crucified me. Don't forget who you're talking to when you get there, all right? In other words, if you're having a pity party, it's probably not going to fly. Because, I mean, they crucified an innocent man. So they're going to, does it make sense they would criticize a guilty man if they crucified an innocent man? Absolutely. That there would be criticism. But you and I must not get offended. And I, I you know, with a sincere heart, honestly, I, I was just thinking, how could this offend anyone? Well, you can go on that side if you want to, but I don't really care what, what you're wearing and your hair and, you know, I mean, how, you know, if you don't want to brush your teeth, just stay three or four feet away and we'll have a chat. But... <laughs> And then you're offended by that. So anyway, <laughs> okay, let me move right along here. Um, but, but the fact is, there's a difference in, you know, politely ignoring something and, and, and not being offended, you know, but, but the fact is, we all have this God filter. And if that God filter is, does not remain clean, things get clogged in that filter. We have to keep it clean every day by the washing with the water of the Word, Okay. So Psalm 119, 165 says this. Great peace, and you guys have heard me quote this forever, and this is one of my premier scriptures for my life. Because anytime you're on stage and you're in front of a lot of people, there are a lot of opinions. Opinions are just like noses. Everybody has one. And so I get to hear all the opinions that, that I want to hear. And it would be very easy for me to walk away, to say, God, is." Just too much to hear. It's more than I can stand. I can't take it all in. I, I can't do this. Because if you heard some... I mean, when somebody gets offended over me drinking a Red Bull, you all know how tough it is to be on stage. And I mean that. And I really breaks my heart for the person getting offended because it's not my fault. If you get offended, it's your fault. If I get offended, it's my fault. Do you understand? I can't let you... If you offend me, I've given you permission to offend me. I hear people say, well, their, their, their language is offensive. I just don't care. Your language is not going to affect my life. Why? Because I won't let it affect my life because I'm going to read the Bible. I know the language of God. God is love. I'm not going to get offended by what you wear or you don't wear. I'm not going to get offended. may have turned my head, but I'm not going to get offended. So you see what I'm saying? 
It's not that you have to agree with everyone. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that if someone does something in your presence or says something in your presence, you have a choice you have to make in response to what they say or what they do. We have a responsibility to give a response. And an appropriate response could change everything. Could change everything for that person. And so it's absolutely critical that you get this word today. Great peace have those who love the law of God. And it says nothing shall offend them. That means ruin them, cause them to stumble, one translation says. Entice them, cause them to fall. Nothing. Great peace. Not just peace. Great peace. How many of you like peace? I like peace. I love peace. I am living the last years of my life in a drama-free zone. That's where I'm at. Judge me if you will. Be offended by that if you want. I'm living my life in a drama-free zone. And you say, well, Mark, it's not all about you. Yes, it is. <laughs> it may not be all about me for you, but it's all about me for me. Why? I'm responsible for my peace. Bible says he will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are stayed on him because they trust in him. Isaiah 26.3. So I am responsible for my peace. I, I'm not responsible for your peace. You're responsible for your peace. And your peace requires that you not be offended and that your mind remain on him. So tomorrow, if there's a problem in the break room, you have a problem with your boss, don't go in and be offended by your boss's behavior and what's going on in the break room. You are responsible above all things to guard your heart. That's where the issues of life are and that you can have peace in hell if you need to because Jesus did. said he descended there and delivered the captives. Let me tell you something. I don't think he went to hell in fear and trepidation. I think he went there with faith and confidence saying, now, give me everybody I want release now you cannot walk in authority if you're walking offended you will not walk in the authority of God if you will walk or walking in the offenses of man you will walk with apprehension fear and trepidation always questioning who you are in God and who God is in you I've had more opportunities to be offended in the last 15 months than I have the last 15 years. I'll drink to that. <laughs> but I'm so stinking happy and at peace that nothing is going to break that. And I am so set on that. It's, I'm like concrete right now. It is not going away. Why? Because I focus on it every day. I keep my mind on Him. Because I know that offense is after my peace. Now, how does that work? Well, 
what somebody says about you, what somebody says to you. And the Bible tells us when that, that comes, your brain, it, it sticks in your brain, and you can either renew your brain or your mind, or you can continue to process that thought like it's on a, like a hamster on a wheel. Keeps going around and around. I wonder if what they said is true. I wonder if other people think what they said is true. I wonder if other people know what they said. I wonder, I wonder, I wonder, I wonder, I wonder. And it just keeps going over. How do I get rid of that? According to 2 Corinthians 10, here's how you get rid of it. You have to possess that thought and you have to take it captive. That's what the Bible says. We take every thought captive and we make it obedient to Christ. Well, you have to know what the Bible says and what Christ says in order to make that thought obedient to him, which says, greater is he who's in me than he who's in the world. I have been given the mind of Christ. Greater is he and that thought, thought's in me than that thought that's outside of me in this world. So what we do is this. When somebody offends us, rather than attacking the thought, we attack the, we attack the giver of the thought. So you've got to quit attaching your emotion to the communicator of that thought. Because our temptation is to tell everybody just how stupid they are. Well, they don't know anything. They're so stupid. They're so dumb. Why would they even say that? You know what? You're dumber than them for talking about it. I have an old saying, whatever you feed grows, whatever you starve dies. You keep feeding that thought, it will become a monster in your mind. I mean, I, I, we all have these things about us. We all have these opinions. Everybody has them. Some people don't like Red Bull. I don't, I don't like fried ice cream. <laughs> Deep fried anything. I mean, if we could see your arteries and your heart right now, boom, boom, boom. This is Oklahoma. We figured out how to deep fry something that's frozen. How stupid is that? <laughs> Our state fair is a felony. <laughs> Everyone on Midway ought to be arrested. I mean, come on. Deep fried ice cream is no different than cocaine in your soul. Here, let's have some of this. This is bound to help our arteries. Slow down. <laughs> I hate the state fair. Let me go on record. I hate it. Despite, I don't hate the people. I hate the state fair. Thank you. Some of you will leave church because of that now. <laughs> Red Bull and state fair. There you go. Perfect combination. See, pastors aren't supposed to have opinions, but... But I do. <laughs> and I do for your sake. I do, because some of y'all need to go home and ponder that thought. Because some of y'all be out there every night eating all that stuff, and you'll need to spend a week detoxing. Now, I just have an opinion. I shouldn't offend you, so I'm supposed to shut up with that opinion. I didn't mean any harm by it. I, I just wanted you to know that it's one of the scariest places in Oklahoma City in September. I think I'd rather go downtown. This is only a test. I just, I'm just kind of watching. We had one lady walk out already. Anyway, so <laughs> I, I don't even know how to say I hope it was for something better than yeah. <laughs> Hope Was it good? I'm going to go make a few extra bucks? I'm glad. Okay, it's good. 
I didn't want to say I hope she's sick, because that's worse, and I hope she's not offended. All right, so anyway, she's all, tell her I love her. Have a Red Bull on me. You see, I'm getting to a point, and I've already made several good ones. All right, now, here's the reality, that if you want to live a life of peace, it's going to require you to give attention to the right things. And it's going to require that you let go of the wrong things. It's going to require that you not attack the attacker. You, that, you, that you not judge the person that you're feeling judged by. That you not uh, intentionally offend the person that you have accepted their offense. You'll never have peace if you're always offended. And you will always live a life less than instead of a life of more than. And El Shaddai is a God of more than enough. He's a God that has more for us. And yet we restrict God by having a life based on our own performances and our own responses. And I have determined in my life, no matter what's said about me, I, I could, if somebody says something about me, I said, oh, there's far worse. I can't believe that's all you've heard. Because <laughs> it, it, it throws them off kilter. It's like, well, you know, quiet, because I'm a human being. I'm like you. There have been thoughts in this room that have not been acted out. If the, you, you would be on death row over your thoughts. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So the reality is every one of us are battling these thoughts that have to be taken captive. And what happens if we don't have peace, we live a life of simply surviving. I survived earth. There will be shirts at the gates of heaven. I survived earth. And now here I am. I survived and there will be people like Pharisees and religious zealots who applaud themselves because of their behavior and their performance instead of applauding God for His Son and His performance on the cross. And that that's what survivors do. Applaud themselves for overcoming obstacles. Now, I'm not talking before you get off here. I'm not talking, you know, we use the word survivor and there are people who survive, but they survive because they woke up every day and saw an opportunity to live. So if you're a cancer survivor, you're an overcomer. I would call you a cancer overcomer because you have beat it. You didn't survive it. You beat it. And you beat it because you got up every day and said, I'm going to seize the opportunity to do whatever I need to do to beat this before it beats me. You are far more than a survivor. You're a winner. You're an overcomer in this life. You fought and you won. I am not a recovering alcoholic. I am a recovered. Now, I know that those words are fighting words to some people, depending on how many chips you have. But, and I'm not minimizing your chips, but I'm just telling you, you are a winner. You have defeated it. You are an overcomer. You are the victor, not the victim. You have beat it. It doesn't mean you won't fight it again, but your focus is not on that. Your focus is on Him and the victory that He has provided for you through the cross of Jesus Christ. So we have to change our total language. And all of us say, well, I'm a recovering sinner. But I, I, to me, I look and say, 
Greater is he who's in me than he is in the world. I have overcome. Does it mean I won't still sin? No, it doesn't mean that, but it means my focus is not on the sin. It's on the one who conquered sin. Thoughts, opinions, and feelings are designed to move us in the direction of those feelings and opinions. Some of the criticisms of me were targeted at me to move me away from Oklahoma City and cause me not to stay here. I know that. But the person that was saying it or the people that said it, it's not about them. It's okay. It's about me handling those words and thoughts and opinions in a way that says, God, you mean everything to me. And regardless of the opinions horizontally, I have a vertical mandate. And I will fulfill that vertical mandate. Not in arrogance, but in full confidence that if you call me, you will complete it. You see, we've got to stand. And you'll be criticized for being confident. You'll be criticized for being positive. You'll be criticized and judged for looking in the face of adversity and saying, I will not bow down. I will not give up. God will get me through. You'll be classified as a religious nutcase. If thoughts and feelings go unchecked, they may well change the trajectory of your destiny. Don't attack the communicator, the hater. You just feed it when you do. You just provoke it. You just stir it up. It's how come the Bible says love never fails. Love never fails. And the only way love can work and have a perfect work in us, the Bible says in Galatians 5, 6, that faith works by love. Well, the only way my faith can continue to rise is if I continue to walk in love. Great peace have those who love the law of God. Nothing shall offend them. It's so easy to be offended. Somebody pulls out in front of you. Somebody parks in a space you were about to get. Somebody dings your door. You weren't invited to a party that everybody else was invited to. Somebody said something about you that wasn't true. Somebody said something about you that was true. What's the difference? What's the difference? Jesus never stopped because of the opinions of man. I was with Will Roberts a year or two before he died with he and Evelyn. They were both just still doing really well. Went to their home in California. Oral was, was one of the guys that I always looked up to growing up in Tulsa. Saw all the criticism and all that he went through building the medical center, you know, and just all those things. And, and I sat there in that day and I asked him several questions. One, what was the toughest moment in your life? Now, this is a guy who filled tents with thousands of people healing crusades back in the day when nobody, there wasn't even a church near the size of what he was filling tents with. And he said, well, Mark, when, when, I, when I made the statement, God is a good God, I got more criticism than you could ever imagine. Think about it. This is way back, 50s, 60s. God is a good God. Because most of the church world didn't see God as a good God. They thought he was an evil, mean judge. Maybe not evil, but just a mean judge that was going to come back someday and send a lot of people to hell. And 
with great apprehension bring some people to heaven. That was the view. But he said these words to me. He said, Mark, I've never seen a locomotive train stop for a barking dog. They just keep on going. And if any of you grew up in the country where there were no leash laws like there are today, I don't know how y'all do this dog thing today unless you live in the country. They ain't enough layers of plastic gloves for me to take care of their business. <laughs> Back in the day, dogs would chase cars, they chased trains, they just, just thought for some reason that train or that car was annoying to them. And uh, they were just going to do something about it and they just kept barking. Some of y'all have people barking in your ear for a long time and you've just decided to stop. And you stopped with a good heart saying, you know, I, I need to address this. I need to fix this. Jesus himself chose not to fix that which was broken. But he offered tools to all of us to fix what was broken. He said, I'll give you my name. I'll give you my blood. And if you call on my name and you apply my blood, you'll be fixed. He said, but I can't fix you. Because I've given you a free will. If Jesus refused to fix you and me, then what makes us think we can fix anybody? Now, I hope you're hearing me. Jesus made it possible for us to be repaired. But he didn't force us to be repaired. He didn't talk us into being repaired. He gave us the information. That's how come when the rich young ruler came to him and wanted to follow him and I followed all these commands since I was a child and Jesus said one thing you lack so what you have give the poor and follow me Jesus didn't have any further conversation with him when he couldn't give it what he was supposed to Jesus just moved on he said I can't stop can't fix him I told him what to do I gave him the tools to repair this situation he chose not to you can't make someone change and you get offended when they don't I preach every Sunday that I'm here in the city. Typically, I'm preaching a lot. And I want you to hear this information, but I can't fix you. But God's word applied in your life can bring hope and healing to you. But you have to apply it. For instance, offenses come. When they come, you get bitter and unforgiving. When you get bitter and unforgiving... It blocks the work of God in your life. He said, if you don't forgive, you won't be forgiven. It's imperative that we forgive. It's not optional. He said, give and it will be given. Throughout the years, people have asked me to pray. Please pray for our finances. And I always pray, God, first off, give them a revelation of what your word says so that they can obey your word and finances will come. If you give, it will be given. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. So if you were to ask me to pray for you, I'd ask you two questions. Do you tithe and do you give? And the only place in the scripture that's connected to this thought, he said, if you'll bring the whole tithe in the storehouse, see if I won't open the windows of heaven, pour out such a blessing, you won't have room enough to contain it all. That's great. 
But then he goes on to say, then I will rebuke the devourer for your sake. Well, the devourer is found in John 10.10. His name is Satan. He's the thief who comes to steal, kill, and destroy. So if Satan's having his way in your life, I could give you the information you need to overcome that. But you have to apply that information. I can't fix it. Then you're going to be offended because I didn't fix your problem. I told you how to fix it. You see what I'm saying? So all I am is an information giver. That's all I am every Sunday is an information giver. And the information I give you is for the purpose of you living a life filled with great peace. Great peace. Now, before you get mad at me, understand, I've been both poor and I have been what I would consider to be wealthy by the standards of my family and my world. Not by the standards of this world, but by my standards. And I've got to tell you, the hardest thing for me to do when I had nothing was to give a part of the nothing I had. Because it required faith, it required tenacity, and it required patience. And I want you to understand that if you get offended by something that comes from the Bible... I can assure you that it's not God's fault and it's not my fault. But you have decided that that wouldn't work for you and that that's too harsh for you. I wish that it was simpler, if you will, that I could just apprehend my flesh every time, every week I get paid and I tithe. I, I mean, that's I get paid, I text to give. And this is not the giving message, but I'm just telling you this because if I could preach another message tomorrow, it would, I would talk to you about the, the, probably the top five offensive things. And anytime you talk about politics, theology, and money, there's not only opportunity for a fight, there's going to be one <laughs> if you're in the right crowd. But if you can talk about anything with anybody and not get offended it's a great test i find people who are politically different than me just to give myself an exam i do and I, I get around people who have theological differences it doesn't even bother me anymore i used to be i got i've got a couple of degrees i know a little bit about the bible i could argue with you until jesus comes back if you want but what i have figured out is arguing never does any good for anybody but a life filled with love and acceptance in a godly opinion, every now and then stands a good chance of somebody changing. And that change might come through me. Or it might come to me. Maybe I'm the one that needs to change. Maybe I'm the one that thinks you need to change. And all of a sudden I hear something you have to say and I go, you know, I never thought about that. So rather than me getting offended by your different opinion, your opinion might educate me and change my life for, forever. And it may be wonderful. But if we're closed off to other people's ideas and opinions, we'll live a life at the same level the rest of our lives. But if you get offended, you'll never have conversations that sharpen you. The Bible says iron sharpens iron. One man sharpens another. Some of y'all need to find somebody and test your offense meter. <laughs> With that said, I'm going to pray. <laughs> Lord, thank you for people who let me drink Red Bull. <laughs> God, thank you so much for a, an atmosphere of joy and peace. And thank you, God, that... We're all a work in progress. None of us are any better than, than the other. Lord, we just all have different issues. It's real simple. We just all have different issues. 
And Lord, we just thank you that you didn't come to, to judge our issues or condemn our issues, but that the world through your performance and your work might be saved. God, we all need you. We all need you. And today, Lord, I pray that those here who have yet to accept that truth would be able to accept that truth today without being offended and feeling like they're the only one that has ever sinned or sinned the way they've sinned in unique fashion. We've all sinned, your word says, and we've all fallen short of your glory. But that's why you sent Jesus. So my prayer would be today that people wouldn't feel condemned or judged, but they would feel nothing but love and grace. And that through that love and grace, you would draw them to you. Jesus, you said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. Well, love was being lifted up because God is love. So you said, if love is lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. The challenge is that oftentimes we're not lifting up love. We're lifting up religion and religious ideas. But today my prayer in this house would be that we have done an adequate job of lifting up love. With every head bowed and every eye closed, maybe you've yet to accept Christ. And those of you watching online, you've yet to accept Christ. But today, He's knocking on your heart's door. And that you sense the presence of God in your thoughts, in your emotions even, in your spirit. And I want to pray a prayer. And I want to ask you to pray this prayer with me. The Bible says, all who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And you're not going to be saved from somebody else's opinion of you. You're going to be saved from your opinion of you. Your condemnation of self. Your lack of self-worth. and Not seeing that you deserve salvation. And there's no way that God could change me. Well, God will never do that. You are responsible. I am responsible for the changes in my life as I surrender hidden spots, dark spots of my life to God. And I know I'll have them the rest of my life. I'll have opportunity every day, throughout every day. So I want all of you to pray this prayer with me. Those of you watching online, if you'd pray this with me, say, Father God, I am so grateful that you didn't send your son into this world to condemn the world, but through him I might be saved. And today I call upon the name of your only son, Jesus Christ. And you said if I did that, I would be saved. So Jesus, right now, I declare with confidence and with faith that salvation is now mine. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.